David, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you, yeah. All right, we're just waiting on Brett. No worries. How are you doing? How the Vikings doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too, uh, we're 30 25 up. Uh, just scored touchdown just then. It's so strange you like the Minnesota Vikings. Who was? I didn't even think people in England. I, I didn't even think people over in England watched like American football, to be honest. I love American football. It's 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 like the individual battles that go on on the pit. So I, I, I yeah, I, I just. <laughs> I, I love the sort of mind games that go on and the planning and the, the strategy and everything else. It's, it's like um, a proper thinking man's game, if that makes sense. Yeah, sort of like a game of chess or something. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and it's not as, as um, kick a ball and chase after. I mean, yeah, there's tactics involved in kind of soccer. Um, but the kind of tactics you just see every week. Um, they either play a certain way and, and you rely on the individuality, if you like, of one or two players to try and um, brighten up the team and brighten up the play. But all in all, it's the same kind of... There's there's only a few ways of playing. But American football, it's just like every play can be different. And it's it's like, um, do you go for the one point after a touchdown? Do you go for the two point? I mean, it's all tactics and it's all strategy. And it's just, yeah... Um, I don't know if I've explained that right. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you did a good job. Why Minnesota? What makes you like the Vikings? My cousin Nathan will love that, by the way. But why? Uh, why do you like the Vikings? Do you know? Um, it, it it it's been something from. There's no rhyme or reason, really. It's just that I like the color purple. And and when I first started, <laughs> when I first started watching um, American football, um, and I kind of got into it. It, it was the Vikings that I, I sort of followed. So um, it, it, it's been, for me, it's been the Vikings ever since, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I'm Detroit Lions fans. Lots of tears, a lot of cheers. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hold on a second. Let's see what's going on with uh, Barrett here. I want to try to get him on before we you know, do the whole introduction. For anybody who's listening, I hope you enjoyed about uh, American football from our Man over there in London, fucking David Brexler. Shooting bread a message right now. <laughs> so what else is going on? Everything good? Kelly good? Uh, yeah, no, things are good. It's been a good week. Um, lots lots has gone on. Um, lots to come up as well. So uh, it's, the next couple of weeks going to be quite busy for me. Yeah, uh, you got published, didn't you? Uh, yeah, no, that was um, that was just a blog that I wrote today. It's like it took me a couple of days of researching. Um, e- even though there, there may be, I don't know what, eight hundred, a thousand words on the page, if you like, that the research and the time spent in writing those eight hundred words is a lot longer than it takes to write eight hundred words. Hey, there's Brad. Hey there. What's going on, brother? Sorry about that. How you doing? Good. No, no problem. We uh, we were just chatting up American football before you got here. David's uh, rooting for the Vikings right now. So, yeah, yeah that's, How you going, bro? but uh, every good. Uh, yep. That's something I have no uh, no skin in the game. I could, you know, I follow <laughs> I the, the big stuff, but other than that, I could care less. <laughs> I feel you. I do feel you on that, Brett. I follow hockey pretty uh, seriously, but other than that, I don't follow anything. 
But what's up, everybody? Welcome to Wise Guys Hideaway, episode number 32. I'm fucking pumped. We're just keeping this freight train rolling. Today, uh, Boston Rob can't be with us. He's caught up with the Patriots game. They take that very seriously out there. You know, you got you got to watch the Pats. So he's unfortunately not with us, but David, as always, is with me. And then we got a special, special, special guest today. Brett Giuliano, all the way from Chi-Town. What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me. No problem, man. Thanks for fucking wanting to do this. Yeah. Do you know what, Brett? I, I love your stuff. Um, you do is Dust Bunny Mafia. I mean, it's just, um, oh, mate, it's just incredible. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. David was the one who turned me on to you, actually. And then, yeah, I mean, your shit is, it is fucking, it's top shelf, man. Most definitely. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Well, I know you're, you're, well, <laughs> sorry, Ian, but um, I know that Brett's trying to, um, you, you, you're doing a kickstart, isn't that right, Brett? To, Oh, get after, get after. Yeah. raise some money and one of the stories you want to do is appellation <laughs> yep and so uh, here yeah. we go um i have a kickstarter going it's called based on a true story volume two um it's a small uh mini comic collection uh like a half sheet of paper size but it's got uh 32 pages right now it's on kickstarter for another week um in which i take real life mob stories and adapt them using my dust bunny mobsters and so it's like looney tunes meets the godfather style <laughs> and yeah david's right one of the stories that's big on the kickstarter that i try and hook people in with is the appalachian conference because i find that story fascinating and like david said before i think there's more going on than what we know about it hey <laughs> I'm outnumbered today. I'm I'm fucking out. I'm I'm in the corner today. All right, all right. Well, okay. So like, I don't know. Give me some of your thoughts on it. We're gonna talk about Vincent the Chin eventually, folks. But like, I like Appalachian apparently is just gonna center around this show <laughs> for the next. Find out the truth anyway. Yeah, just right down the rabbit hole. We'll go right out of the gate. Oh, by the way, Brett, feel free to fucking swear on here as much as you fucking want. <laughs> if if swearing is one of those things where you're like you're trying to censor, because I like when Rob first came on, he wasn't sure what he could say, and I was like, "You can say whatever the fuck you want." I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna send it. I'm still gonna post it. It doesn't matter to me. It's my podcast. <laughs> so, so feel free to swear. Uh, just be, I mean, just be yourself, man. Just fucking let us know what you think. But I am curious, what are your opinions on Appalachian? What do you, what do you think right now? So, I mean, I think there's, you know, it was one, you know, a major blunder on part of the mob in general, which is, you know kind of the going uh the going story but more than that um you know joseph barbara whose you know estate it was held at, was known in the you know community he got his gun permit the license to carry authorized by the sheriff of the county and so it's like oh no shit you know and in the 20s he owned a um he bought a i believe it was canada dry uh, um, soda company, an old distilling, so that he could import sugar, so that he could use it to bootleg. Yep. And yep. with that, you know, you don't buy an old distillery, like a sugar processing plant, without raising some red flags, like just out of nowhere. Right. Well, he, so, he owned yeah. Dry at one stage, but as well, didn't he? He he was the main shareholder of Canada Dry. Yep. Yeah. I fucking love Canada Dry, man. I mean, it's no Verner's, but like Canada Dry is still, that's a good ginger ale. So I didn't know that actually. I didn't know he went and got a permit to carry from the sheriff yep. either. To be and honest. So, I mean, with all of that, with the fact that he's like a major stake owner in this Canada Dry at the time, he's, you know, providing all the sugar for bootlegging whiskey and stuff in the 20s. 
And then, you know, the fact that the sheriff of the county signed off on his, you know, as like a representative that I trust this guy. And then, you know, 20 years later, it just happens that his estate gets raided mysteriously by, you know, I don't know, something doesn't add up. And, and for me, right. Crosswell, Crosswell appears in too many stories attached um, indirectly and directly with Appalachian um, for it to be convenient. Uh, sorry, to, for it to be a coincidence. Um, he, w- he was involved in the um, officers that come down from West Yorkshire, uh, from West New York to bribe the officers that arrested, that arrested Galante. Um, and he was called to give evidence at a uh, investigation or a Senate hearing um, not so much the Senate here, I can't remember the name of it now, it's gone off my head, but he was called into a meeting to explain what had gone on. For me, I, I'm, I kind of, it's a bit out there, but I wonder if um, uh, Crosswell and Barbera had some sort of deal that uh, either Barbera had double-crossed Crosswell, so he got his own back. It just seems, just... It was too obvious a place to have held it, and yet were they were they confident they could have held it there because Crosswell would have made sure it was protected. But he either double-crossed Barbera or Barbera double-crossed him, and therefore Crosswell's got his own back. But like you, bro, I really do think there's something more that we don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, there's chapters and books to it, and like snippets here and there from newspapers, but there's never been anything really conclusive to be like, nope. here's a, you know, 200, 300 page book about that conference. Cause you could with the, you know, if there were 150 mobsters from, you know, here, Italy, Cuba, and, you know, you got top names like Galante and Barbera, and then like Sam Giancana out of Chicago, mm. you have top, you know, top shelf mobsters there. There's more the to what- it. What gave them the confidence to send down four detectives from New York, from West New York, to bribe Galante, uh, to get Galante out through bribery? What gave them the confidence to do that, I wonder? Um, because, I mean, that, that's a dangerous game to play, to send detectives to another county to, to bribe out um, a, a mobster, and a mobster as well known as Galante. So they must have had some confidence that they were going to get him out and perhaps Crosswell weren't playing game uh, at that particular time. Who knows? But um, yeah, for me, it just, that it really does open up a lot more answers than questions. It answers. That's for sure. I mean, have you ever dealt with detectives though, man? I mean, they're, they're pretty confident people in general. Like if I was, I mean, if I was going to send two people to take a known mob boss out somewhere, I'd send two High-ranking detective. Yeah, but if you're, more, I mean, more you're, gonna, that, no. you're you're risking a lot of heat. You're going to bring up if it goes wrong, which it did go wrong, um, and, and the, yeah, right. the four officers were all arrested and and um, sacked. So, I mean, there, well, there, actually gone off the- there was consequences the from it. So, um, it, it just seems to me a bit strange that you would risk bringing out even more heat on you. Um, I don't know. As I say, it doesn't. There's a lot that doesn't make sense in respect of appellation. Somebody, uh, somebody took the money and didn't hold by. Like, Who knows? yeah, I'll let it go off without a hitch. I'm sure somebody just like you know kind of flipped 
within the, I mean, because you're going to have to pay a bunch of people off to do something like that. Yeah, of course. So you're talking all sorts of people. But Barbera was like underwatch. Like Brett was saying, Barbera, was, he, was, he was under the guise of the local police from day one. Um, he, yeah. he he basically ripped down the property that was there when he bought it and rebuilt a mansion. I mean, he yep. he bought heat on himself even before he had, he had got his feet under the table. Yeah, no, I know, I agree. I, I just like I just like seeing you get all hot and bothered about it. That's <laughs> no, it's fun, not. No, it's not hot and bothered. You bastard. But no, it's, it's just. I mean, I love it again. But then that's why I love being an organized crime historian so much because there right. are so many um, theories that you can, if you like, um, come up with based on research, factual research. You can still, just because certain people have pieced it together a certain way, still doesn't mean to say um, that it is the correct way. No, it's a puzzle with a million pieces mm. researching this shit, man. I swear to God, like, the, like the, uh, the way, trying to fit them into order and like trying to fit some things, especially when you go like chronologically, like some things that people swear up and down by fact, it just, I don't know, some of it don't line up. A lot of it does, but I don't know. Some of it, I think truth is stranger than fiction. I think what we know is what we know. And then others, no, I think it's a hundred percent. I want to see Brett's, I want to see Brett's um, book out. And so Brett, how can people, oh, how can pre- people get onto your Kickstarter page? Um, well, I mean, you can go to kickstarter.com you know, Kickstarter and search Dust Bunny Mafia. It'll come right up. Um, you can also go to my website, dustbunnymafia.com. Um, I've got a link there on the sidebar um, to it. Uh, like I said, I got another week on it and um, I've only got a hundred bucks left. So we're super close. Um, yeah. Come on, people, get in there. Right get, get, that, get them dollars yeah. in there, people. And let's get this book out there. <laughs> I'm not charging you to listen to this. I'm not making no money off this podcast. The least you can do is donate to my friend's stuff. Come on. <laughs> should we get onto the chin then, Ian? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we should probably work our way to him eventually. It's what, 15 minutes in? All right. So, speaking of Appalachian, <laughs> the, uh, the guy who will be credited with, you know, sort of botching that entire thing uh, will eventually put into the sort of the power hold of his family, he'll put it all into the hands of one person. And that person's who we're talking about today. And that's Vincent the Chin Gigante. And Vincent the Chin was born on March 29th, 1928 in New York, New York. So he's one of the, one of the first ones we've talked about where he didn't actually hail from uh, Sicily, Palermo, Italy, where have you. He was born here. Uh, he would die December 19th, 2005 in a medical unit in a prison in uh, Springfield, Missouri. I, I, I can't remember which prison right now. But uh, some fun, fun little facts about Gigante. He's a professional boxer from 1944 to 1947. Uh, had 25 matches. Was a relatively good boxer, actually. Was, was known as a tough guy. And that's sort of how he got his start, more or less, was being a head knocker, being sort of the guy you didn't want to see there to collect the money, you know, for the boss. You know, the, his, one of his big claims to fame was his attempted hit on Frank Costello. And, uh, I mean, yeah, somebody else want to jump in and sort of take us through, like, more in-depth. Galante, where he came from, where because uh, the Chen's one of the few ones I don't have as much research on him. I uh, I admire him; he's definitely my top five favorite bosses. But I don't know; I just have a real hard time with the whole odd father, and he's just real off putting to me. So I don't know; he, he just I don't know. But uh, Brett, what do you got on uh, Vinny the Chen? So uh, something that's interesting. So he came from a big Italian family. I think he had it's either four or five uh, brothers and sisters, and. Uh, one of his longest standing uh, relatives that's still alive is actually a priest. 
so he's a Catholic priest in, uh, wow. um, and the chin. Um, so he, you know, grew up in this little apartment and apparently they say that he never lived when he was free, at least, um, outside, like, uh, I think it's four mile radius of where he was born pretty much. Wow. Oh my God. And so like, <laughs> so he stayed, he stayed real close to the old neighborhood, yeah. like legit. And, uh, so at one point he, um, I don't remember the whole story. I actually, uh, read the biography chin by Larry McShane a couple months ago, and it was on my reading list for years. And it's a great book. Um, and I'm trying to recall those date, uh, some of the stuff from that. But one of the more interesting things is, um, he actually had both a wife and, you know, a side piece, um, both named Olympia. Mm -hmm. That is oh, just, weird. it's like, you know, did the wife came first and then the girlfriend oh. happened to be named and he had two separate families. So like he had, you know, his wife that was in, like had a whole house with the kids and everything. And then this whole separate life with his mistress that also had a couple of kids named Olympia and they lived, you know, only a couple of miles away from each other, but it was completely distinct, no separate, you know, no crossover between the two families. That's some pretty gangster shit. You could not do that with Facebook these days. Don't, them two women are going to find out about each other. I, um, I mean, it, to me, it sounds as if it's, it, it's the truth, but I'm not sure if um, it is, but you may know this, Brett. Um, his, the reason why he's called the chin, I I believe that it was, or I read somewhere on, on some research a while back that um, in the area that he lived in New York, obviously it was quite a um, uh, uh, high residence of Italians, um, high population of Italians, sorry. And a lot of them were called Vincenzo. So they had Vinny the Limp, uh, uh, blue, Vinny Blue Eyes, Vinny Blondair, and... His yeah, mum used to call him Chinzo, which I believe is Italian, but it's a term of endearment that means like the good one or something. And because of the kind of um, uh, 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 image that comes with that as this cute, cuddly kid, it ended up being shortened to the chin. Um, he was known as Chin, um, Vinny the Chin. That's what, uh, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but... It seems it seems as if it's plausible, that's for sure. Yeah, and something that was interesting later in his life, you know, jumping ahead to when he's actually boss is yeah, nineteen eighty one, two thousand and five. Um, so he was extremely reclusive, as um, and they say almost impossible to catch on wiretaps from the feds. Yeah, from you know, and. Um, there were several, like, he had several tricks that he'd play, including, like, he'd whistle into um, a receiver. So when he was calling people, he'd whistle into the phone first in order to, like, disturb any wire, um, any auto, you know, audio recording devices. Um, and then he um, also wouldn't allow his underlings to use his name in conversation. So mm. if people were... So it was either, yeah. you know, they had to, um, like, face-to-face, -face, they would um, point at their chin when they're talking about him, or they would make the letter C uh, when they were saying stuff. And they basically, even on wiretaps, they're 
they went every length they could to not say, you know, Chin, Gigante, and they just kind of had to step around it more than any of the normal, you know, bosses do. Yeah, when Tony Corrala was caught on tape in the Jaguar, he would even, uh, when they were talking about Fat Tony Solano, they sort of hinted around the fact that Fat Tony may have been just just a front boss. I don't think he was. I, I think he had quite a bit of power. I would say it's one of the few times where bosses sort of run the family equally because I don't give a fuck. If you're, when you're shaking everybody's hand and you're saying, yes, they can do things, no, they can't do things, you're the boss. I don't care if Fat Tony's recording one guy and it's this guy who's acting crazy his whole life. That's kind of I, – I say you're split. I, I... – but uh, I don't think. Uh, what, sorry, mate. I don't think there's any coincidence behind the fact that um, the Chin's roots were f- Neapolitan, um, and obviously uh, Genovese. Were, I don't know what Tony Salerno was. Is Tony Salerno was was he from Sicily? Tony Salerno. But um, Brett, are you uh, do you go along with the rumor that um, Giganti, Giganti was boss as soon as Vito died, or that? There were other bosses before he'd become boss. As as Ian was saying about Tony Salerno um, was put out as the front boss, but was he actually the boss? Oh, I believe he was controlling it from, you know, as soon as Genovese passed. Um, yeah. I mean, based living in Chicago and doing all the research on, you know, people like Ricardo and Rika and stuff and having, you know, Giancana as the front man catching all the heat and stuff and being the publicity magnet that he was, it's like, it's no surprise. Gigante was smart. And so laying under the radar and the whole insanity act that he did for like 40 years, no question in my mind that he, uh, you know, was like, I'll let someone else steal the limelight for a while until I make my debut per se. Well, I mean, he, he, it was as if, um, he was Vito Genovese without the mistakes that Vito made. Yeah. Um, it was as if, because he, I mean, he was banged up with Vito, wasn't he? For, I think he, what did he get? He got seven years, didn't he? But yeah. I think he got out after five. Um, he got out in 64, I believe. Um, and obviously that gave him time to sort of work his way up within the family, um, even though he didn't need to prove himself. Ian, what do you think... Um, about the Costello hit. Do you think that that was more to do with the fact that Frank was, well, basically fucked up at the hearing um, and he went against everyone's (laughs) advice by actually speaking and not taking the fifth and the fact that, as was we saw in um, Sopranos, he was speaking to a a psychiatrist. Um, He had a therapist. Yeah. Um, do you think that yeah, the therapist rather than Vito making a, a, a play for the power of the family, that it was more to do with Costello being the analyze this character or the Sopranos character? <laughs> he says Bob De Niro from Analyze This. No, I think uh, I think the second Costello got found out for seeing a therapist, and the minute he said that ignorant, I pay my taxes bit. I mean, he signed up for his own mm. death warrant. I also think the chin was either sort of nerve-wracked at, like, the, the level of Frank Costello's, like, power and who he was actually attempting to hit on, or he missed him on purpose. I still can't figure that one out because you should not have missed that shot. As somebody who, like, you know, in, enjoys shooting guns and stuff like that, I can tell you, that's a that's Well, Brett, Brett you, you've read the book. Um, didn't he take – wasn't he taken for um, target practice, gun practice, just 
prior to shooting Costello. Yeah, I believe that was the case. Um, but I'm not as familiar with uh, the actual, like, with the guns. And so yeah. from what I've heard and read, isn't, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the gun itself is not as high caliber. And so. Oh, 32 or something. I, I never knew what he fired on Frank. I figured it was like a 38 or like a. You know, something like that. But yeah, if he was using like a 32 or a 22 or something, yeah, I mean, I suppose that makes more sense. But I, I never knew the caliber for that particular shooting. So. It's just that the, the calling out his name is so, I mean, calling out anything, um, unless you're you're fully confident that you're going to get the shot, just seemed to me, I don't know, it, it just, do you think he... he, he That's what I mean by... If you aim for the head, you aim me to kill, surely. Yeah. But you also, what, you skimmed them, you grazed them. And, and let's not forget that the chin has bodies before this point. It's not like they were like, hey, kid, let's take you from beating people up to your first yeah, homicide. And your first homicide is going to be Frank. You know, like he's got a couple bodies, so he knows how to do it. He put himself up, didn't he? I don't he? know what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I just never, I don't know. I just don't know what he was thinking on that. Then again, like I said, it could just be nerves, too. I know if I was somewhat, he was in his 20s. He was young, wasn't he? For the Costello hit, he's like he's a young guy. Like so, you're running around with all these. And Frank Costello is like the man at this point. That's all you hear about. I mean, he's in the papers. He's in the. He's like the original Joe Colombo or John Gotti in all reality. Or the, like, I mean, or really the original Lucky stuff. Luciano. I mean, let's be honest. He got away. He he got away with. He got away with not killing him. He got away with um, attempting to kill him, and he got away with. The court. So I mean, he was lucky on. He was lucky that the Genovese family didn't wipe him out for not killing him. He was lucky that the commission didn't get him wiped out for attempting to kill him. And obviously, he was lucky not to go away for life for attempting to kill him at the same time. So he's obviously the, um, the new lucky as well. Yeah, somehow attempting to kill him was uh, enough for the family. Like. They, it's not really like he was even kind of like looked down on after that hit. He was still put up like, hey, I mean, he tried, he missed. What are you going to do? Like, kid still tried to kill Costello. That's ballsy. He's got balls. Like, that's, I mean, that's pretty rare for you to like botch a hit and then be like, good job, kid. Really? You know, Frank decided he's going to retire. Everything's good. You know, no We problem. see a future no boss, man. <laughs> yeah, we see a future boss in you. You botch a hit. Good for you. We're going to move you to the top. I like um, Show's brain. It's like, thanks, Frank. <laughs> but no, nonetheless, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, Vinny the Gen definitely. Uh, I heard there was rumor that they did have wiretaps on them, and they're really hard to make out, but they're supposed to, supposedly, I don't know how true this is. Uh, Brett, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you've read a book on him. I still have to get to one. But I thought they placed wiretaps along parked cars on, like, his route they... that he would stumble on the bathrobe and stuff. And, like, they're real hard to make out, and they're real choppy, but, like, you can actually – if you sift hard enough, you can actually find a little bit of Chen. Is that true or no? That sounds true. I mean, he pretty much, uh, so he lived with his mother um, in an apartment and his, um, his uh, social club was literally across the street. So he didn't even have to go, you know, more than like a block to actually get to yeah. his place of business. Um, and so like, I know that he did, uh, they tried at one point to, bug his um, mom's apartment by putting a uh, putting it in the back of the TV and but that ended up being you know really stupid because you turn on the TV because he was smart like that and they would actually turn on the TV full volume and then go into the kitchen the next room over and have their meetings 
And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, everything that I've heard, he was, ex- you know, really hard to catch on wiretaps. Um, but yeah, parked cars. I mean, that makes sense considering that he didn't leave his, you know, home base very much. And no, yeah, it was just like three or four cars set up on his. Because, like you said, he'd go out of his mother's apartment. He'd go down to the crosswalk because he was now the Chen was never going to get caught up on jaywalking or some shit yep. that you know some of the other bosses would do. You know, like Gotti would strut across the street, technically jaywalking. You know what I mean? I was surprised they never just like threw him in the back of a car for that. To be honest, like he jaywalks so much when you watch him on the news, like. But no, he would go down, he would go to the crosswalk and he would cross and there's like a couple cars along that stretch that they said uh, they had bugs on. But you're also, like you said with the TV, you're talking about what, fucking 9 a.m. traffic when he's walking out of his mom's apartment? Yeah. In, in New York, last horns going off, people cussing, like you're barely going to hear them. Like, way to go, Fez. <laughs> hey, didn't, so, uh, didn't he used to talk to parking meters? <laughs> He did. Uh, oh, he used to talk that in the street. God. Yeah, one of the so his biggest claim to fame uh, is his mental illness act um, that they said he did for forty years, um, which is a long time to be dedicated to your craft like that. Um, and I mean, he did everything from yeah, talking to parking meters. He wore this uh, shabby bathrobe with this worn out uh, like driver's cap. Um, one of the stories that I found really fascinating was, so he had this, you know, tattered bathrobe. He had slippers on, he'd walk down the street. He'd be mumbling to himself. You know, he'd be peeing on parked cars. And then he walks into the social club, you know, the door closes, he takes his hat off, puts off the robe and he's got a full suit on underneath his yeah. pajamas. Yeah, I have heard that. Yep. Yep. Oh, very nice suit. Very nice suit. Like, it was always – he dressed impeccably well under the bathrobe. I just – I just can't do the crazy act. Like, I respect his gangster for it, but I don't know. I could not – I have too much pride, I guess, to walk around, like, pissing on myself and, like, mumbling and talking apart. Like, no, I mean, I, I'm a mob boss. Like, I'm, I'm going to act accordingly. Like, I, I'm honestly probably going to end up like Gotti and they're going to shoot me <laughs> instead of me going to prison. But, like, yeah, I mean, you got to flaunt it a little bit. I mean, otherwise, I guess you're – I don't know. You're trying to keep it secret. I'm not a big secret guy. I mean, he was able to do it, you know, evade prosecution for 40 years. And, oh, yeah. I mean, the fact, um, so like he used to regularly check himself into a mental institution to get tune ups, as he called them. Uh, and like he was the only person that could check himself in and check himself out. So, like, he would have, you know, he'd be indicted on something, he'd be subpoenaed to, you know, come in for a court date. And two days before, he happens to check himself in to the local you know, <laughs> hospital, stay there for a week or 10 days, and then he checks himself out on his own recognizance. And it's like, <laughs> the fact that you can just do that. But it's amazing. It's you amazing. mentioned his brother as well, Brett, being a, a Roman Catholic priest, but he stood up in court a few times, didn't he? Which really did give a lot of credibility to, to the Chin's claims in court that he was, um, I think it was... Um, a paranoid schizophrenic, I think he used to say. Yeah. Um, and he'd been that way for a number of years. Um, I think something like two dozen times or something it, between um, 1969 and, and 95, I think, about 20, 25 times yep. he had been in and out of psychiatric hospitals. I mean... That's got to drive you nuts. <laughs> Even if you're not nuts, surely 
doing all of that, it's got to have some effect. Yeah, and they actually say, uh, so when his brother was in court testifying that, um, you know, they say some of the time it was from his boxing career, taking, taking a couple too many hits to the head. You know, there's all sorts of stories. Um, some of it was as a kid getting beat up in school because he was on the bigger side and he was getting bullied. And so there's plenty of ways that you can spin, you know, him being a little mental. Um, but I mean, but what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> honestly, like his boxing career is one of the most fascinating parts about him to me because like, he, he actually had a lot of promise as a boxer. But in that time period, if you had a lot of promise as a boxer and they didn't, you didn't look the part as like, oh, you'd be a good front man for the mafia. The mafia really picked you out rather quickly and, and bought your fights. And eventually you just ended up working for them. It's a, uh, I don't know, because I, I, he had 25 matches. And from everything I know, he, he was on more of the winning side, wasn't he, Brett? Or, I mean, how did that go? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the parts I didn't, you know, I don't know too much about. But yeah, from what I do know, he was good at it. And so I guess he probably just, you know, was more interested in the mobster life than the actual, because uh, I mean, even if you're good at it, it takes a toll on your body. Like, yeah, close. yeah, yeah. And so, just being in the ring for you know twelve rounds, if it goes that long, um, you know, and the kind of physical uh, regiment you have to put yourself through to maintain that, because I'm sure that twenty five rounds weren't just you know, in a you know matter of a couple months. They took, you know. No, it was from forty-four to forty-seven. So yeah. he, uh, he, I mean, he had a good, he had a good stretch, a good three-year stretch. I'd probably fucking fight every two months, which is actually crazy. But like back then, they didn't care. They were like, "No, you're good. You just punch drunk, shake it off, have a beer." <laughs> and yet, he st- he still turned the family into one of the most lucrative. Um, well, especially in the in the history of of all the families within the American mafia. I mean, I think only really Carlo Gambino. Um, bought in more for a family than than Gigani. I mean, he was he was an incredible boss, really. Yeah, yeah. And the Genovese definitely know how to keep it quiet. You know what I mean? Like anytime I see any surveillance on the Genovese or any Genovese people posted about in some of the forums on Facebook, like or America Social Club or uh, the Mob King. Shout out to all those guys. The like the pictures of the Genovese guys. They're in real sleek, almost Wall Street businessman looking suits. Are they dressed very casually? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Up like Gambino guys, you get Colombo guys, Banano guys, especially they're real flaunty guys. They got those real flashy colors. You got a fucking red velvet suit on and shit with like bright white shoes with gold buckles and like you look like a gangster. Pinky rings galore, you know the gold chains, all that noise. But like the but, Genovese, I just never really too many that look like. I think um, as um, second only to the Detroit Partnership in respect of those that have turned government witness and either the Genovese. Yeah, yep, yeah, they, they're holding that down. I'm pretty sure it's Detroit, uh, the Genovese family. I'm pretty sure one of the Toronto families. I don't think I don't think some of the Canadian families have had as many turncoats yeah. e- either. Yeah. Um, speaking of the empire uh, that he built, um, there were a couple of big industries that they controlled um, when he was kind of in his prime. Where um, so in New York, they were able to privatize the garbage collection uh, in the, I want to say it was in the seventies um, to where they took, they were able to with, I believe it was with the Gambino family. The two of them basically yeah. uh, convinced the uh, 
uh, garbage industry of New York to take away all of the uh, routes and only focus on residential. So everything else, so like everything that was run by the government would do the residential streets because New York was so massive. I mean, New York City. Um, and then, so they privatized all the commercial buildings and within 10 years, the mob controlled like 98% of the garbage industry between the two families. Yeah. And they were bringing yeah, in they took- a billion yep. dollars a year just on those, just in that waste collection. Wow. Yeah, they, uh, they also took over part of New Jersey too, the, uh, the Genovese and the Gambinos took over uh, parts of Jersey too with the garbage carting and different, different industries that they were in. They didn't take it over all the way. Obviously the Jersey mob always, always took away their piece, but I mean, for you to be able to kind of like step over in New York and be like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to take a little off the top from you guys too. Like that's, I mean, that's a lot of power. Well, later on, um, he, they had the, um, the multi-million dollar contract with New York city housing, didn't they? To install the new windows. The windows. Yep. That was a huge, huge scam. That was that boy. absolute. well, I mean, it was a multi-million dollar contract. Yep. 2% of every window you see in New York. Yeah, they got it, man. They fucking, God, that's a good scam. That's a really good scam. The window and the concrete industry always make me like cringe and shake my head. Like, why didn't I fucking think of that? How, <laughs> how, how, how come I wasn't a part of all that going down just because, God, that's so much money. You think of all the concrete, all the windows, every fucking window, 2%? Shit, I'll take 1% in sleep. <laughs> they even had Seriously. a uh, another big industry they had a foothold in was the docks. So, yeah. uh, in so there's the Fulton Fish Market in New York that opened in the 1800s, and by the 1930s, the mob was the um, from the 1930s to the 1980s, the Genovese family was the principal uh, kind of shadow company controlling the one billion dollar a year enterprise. And so I was actually digging this up yesterday, and they said that there were during the time that Chin was running it, there was a hundred trucking companies and 50 wholesalers that would basically try to unload their trucks into these little stalls in this uh, big fish market. And they were doing this, you know, five days a week. And there were only six companies that were authorized by the Chin to unpack the trucks into the market. So these merchants and the trucking companies had to bribe the unloaders and otherwise, the seafood was, you know, taken out of the trucks, dumped onto these pallets, and then left there. And wow, the, yeah, I know, I know. Like, it'll go so quick. Yeah, and the thing was, they were literally sometimes six feet away between where the trucks were dropping off to where the stall was. But if you didn't bribe <laughs> them enough, you know, it doesn't matter. And if you try and cross, you know, the area to get your stuff and you're not paying them, good luck. Yeah, that's the lucky fucking beaten. <laughs> the I was gonna say the thing I mean the, the thing that gets me with uh the chin is that after all of that in two thousand and three he caught for it. He he was like, All right, fair enough, I played the gun. <laughs> I mean why why it, it just why not carry on? I mean, why he, 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 he was in prison in a way. So, I mean, there, there was no point. Um, 
I suppose, what was it, two years after that, he died, 2005, was it? He died, so... Was it a case of, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm on the way out. I'll just let you know now. I played you like like a fucking fiddle. (laughs) Like a fiddle, he says. you got to let everybody know you're gangster. I mean, I'm sure... See, that's where he did have enough pride. Because he did it that whole time, and he finally gets locked up, and he plays, and he plays, and he plays, and so he's like, maybe I'll get paroled, maybe I'll get paroled, maybe I'll get paroled. Oh, fuck, I got pneumonia and cancer. Well, if we did him, we'd, we'd, he'd, he'd be forever known as the odd father, wouldn't he? And I mean, and that would be it. There would be no fair play. There'd be fair a debate play, if he was fair play. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be debates if he was ever even an actual mob boss. If he never caught to it, we would never know. We'd still talk about him. We'd still throw him up. We'd still have discussions about him but like nobody be able to say for sure no i think i think if 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 he hadn't we'd we'd have been turning around saying that he was a front and that he was taking the heat he was yeah um he, he he was the best one to be in that position to take the heat away from the rest of the family all the time they're right. focused on the chin he's taking focus elsewhere but we know different yep yep because he caught to it because yeah i've yeah. not you could like if he didn't ever cop to it. You could make the argument like, no man, he was a he was a used to be bad guy who was punch drunk from fucking bare knuckle matches in the fucking forties yeah. back when they were savages. And like, no, he was just a front guy. He was never a and boss. Especially but, with Salerno's boss. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because Salerno fits that part so much more. And then other guys who mm. came along and kind of like because even when Salerno's locked up and they think that Chin's the boss, like the, the FBI still had a couple of guys that they shuffled through real quick, thinking like mm. maybe. He's not. Maybe they are. I don't. I do not have their names in front of me. I'd have to look into it. But I know that there were a few people on like the FBI's radar for the Genovese, like potential boss, potential boss. And then the Chen was always the one that they were like, "We think this is really the guy running the show." But they weren't not questioning a couple other big players in the Genovese because he did play the part that well. You guys got anything else, or are we about ready to wrap her up, or what? What's the um, um, well, yeah, that's why I, I I could tell where you was going here, so I thought, okay, well, let's get towards the end then and start saying. All right, man. Our ways out, Brett. You want to give another shout out to your Kickstart and tell people where to find it? Yeah. Um. So you can find it on uh, Kickstarter. Just search Dust Bunny Mafia. You can find it on my website, dustbunnymafia.com. Um. You can also type in True Story dustbunnymafia.com and that's a short link it'll take you right there I'm you know on my website I've got a little store that has a couple of my books I've got some t-shirts on there that are some of the based on a true story um, yeah well, right and on, don't forget, Brett, um, you can follow Brett on uh, Instagram as well dustbunnymafia yep. um, honestly people you've got to follow him his stories are fantastic and the no, the, the animations the the cartoons i don't want to do them a discredit brett but um let's say the cartoons i, I think are fantastic i mean you're just brilliant creativity um, very gonzo, man. like i like do you like hunter s thompson because that's like my favorite writer so like i don't know i said like some of your work just reminds me of like just some like kind of gonzo-ish stuff i don't know if i don't know that's actually one writer i haven't followed too much of uh no oh, <laughs> i'll skin to him man you're gonna upset him you're gonna upset him <laughs> oh, I'll look him up now. Shoot. Yeah, no, he he was fantastic, and like some like you'll really like his like cartoonish aspect. I'm like, j- just all of it. Yeah, just look into him. I could go off for another hour. David, you got any shout out to brother? Uh, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to obviously everyone at National Crime Syndicate, uh, Crime Syndicate dot com, if I can say it. Um, 
Joey over at Gangster Profiles, all the guys over at Bad Guy Podcast. Um, and obviously, Brett, thank you so much for joining us, Brett. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. And um, as I say, I, I absolutely love what you do. So keep on keeping on, brother. Of course. Thank you for having me, David, Ian. Anytime, brother. You probably, we're going we're gonna to have a couple more episodes with you. Yeah, definitely. Real Sounds quick, I think Clothing Apparel. Obviously, shout out to the Mob King, Sarah DiPaggio. Uh, my boys over there, 392 Brothers Mobile Mechanics, uh, for all my Metro Detroit listeners. If you need anything screwed, glued, welded, put onto that car of yours, man, 392 Brothers with a Z, Mobile Mechanics, 313-974-2222. Just ask for Alex, man. Tell him the hideaway sent you. You guys ain't got nothing else. We're going to get the fuck out of here. We're off. <laughs> We're off. Later, you beautiful sons of bitches.